Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. San Luis Obispo, California, hello. And as a surfer, he explored the beaches of Southern California, from La Jolla to Leo Carrillo, and up to Pismo. I'm captain of the Pismo Beach Disaster League. Whoa, is this the sand dance? I tried to do this at Pismo Beach when I was growing up. Oh, really? Like, yeah. words, like, we always, like, make them in the garage and stuff like that. And it would never work. It never worked. <laughs> it never worked. I am from Pismo Beach, sir. I didn't even know that there was a college here. Well, I commute to San Luis Obispo twice a week. Mm. Here's his ear. Dewey just called from Pismo Beach. He says there's no way he could have grabbed your ass. California's been good to me. Hope it don't fall into the sea. Sometimes you got to trust yourself It ain't like anywhere else It ain't like anywhere else Yeah, welcome to a new edition of the SoCal Pod. My partner in crime, Jerry Perez. Your name is finally on show logo. Sorry it took me so long. Congratulations. Uh, I'm Only going a year to... and a half. That's all it took. I'm going to make you a, a, a Twitter account since you're never going to do that yourself. And if you're going to join me on my other much more listened to podcast, the cover of the Warriors, uh, you got to at least have a Twitter presence. So I'm going to make that for you. So maybe the next time we do a show, I'll actually say you can follow Jerry on Twitter at wherever, um, which is exciting for me anyways. Um, yeah, <laughs> not me. <laughs> <laughs> you might if you if you actually let me teach you for like 10 minutes how to use Twitter to consume information, you might be surprised how valuable it is. If you actually decide to use Twitter, not for narcissistic reasons, but to actually be like consuming information, it's literally the best source. Every news organization is on Twitter, everyone. So- Fake and news. They publish your... Yeah, okay. So uh, <laughs> uh, we got three guests today. I'm really excited for today's show. Uh, we got three editors from the Questonian. Uh, first off, their social media editor, Kenzie Johnson. Uh, what's your Twitter handle? And welcome, Kenzie. Mic is off. Yeah, your mic is off. You're muted. There you go. Um, okay, I'm, I got to double check the Twitter handle. Um, I mostly tweet on just Questonian on Twitter and rarely my own Twitter account. Um, I more use Instagram instead of Twitter. Just for what is my your own. Instagram? What is your uh, Instagram account that you like everyone to follow you at? I do a lot of film photography. So MJ and 35 millimeter MM is normally what I'll post on to kind of uh, for my photography. So, okay, can yes. you repeat that one more time? What is the handle? Yes, uh, MJ and 35MM. M-J-A-N-D 35MM. Yes. Mm-hmm. What is that? What is the MJ part of it mean? Mackenzie Johnson. Johnson. Yes. There you yeah. go. Okay, so so if you can follow Kenzie Johnson at MJ and 35MM because of 35 millimeter representing old school photography. Love it. Uh, welcome to the show. How are you doing? You're up in Mammoth Lakes, correct? Yes, up in Mammoth. Um, currently having a major whiteout up here. Can't see 15 feet ahead of you. Um, but yeah, I've been snowboarding for the past couple of days. Oh, that's so you're like you're just waiting for fresh tracks and some beautiful pal. Oh yeah. Fresh pal. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. <laughs> Dude, that's power pup. It's pal, pal. Wasn't that P-O- like the big argument for like 10 years if it was power poe? No, there was never any argument. Who said Poe? I've never heard that before. I don't know. I remember when <laughs> when I first started hearing this phrases, uh, argument of power Poe. 
Oh, it's a pal, baby. So Kenzie, welcome to the show. We got uh, you. Nick Stat. You're welcome. Yeah, great to have you. And I'm definitely going to talk about the mammoth soon because as uh, people may or may not know from previous uh, shows, like I used to be a snowboarding aficionado, a junkie. That was like my life. And then um, the last broken bone I had slowed me down a lot. I stopped doing parks after that and just became just a, you know, free rider on the casual side of things. Nick Stavros is joining us. Nick is the automotive trends editor of the Questonian. Um, Nick, how are you doing? Good. Um, how are you? Good, man. I love the you. Why are you wearing a USC sweatshirt? Is that is there? Did your parents go there? Do you just love the school? Like, what, what's going on there? Oh, um, honestly, I mean, I just stopped on because I was cold. But really, um, I got it at thrifting. Actually, yeah, <laughs> I, right. I, I get just so many questions. But it's like, hey, are you a USC dad? I'm like, no, I got it thrifting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a, not a father. Well, I don't know if you're aware that the own the the man who uh, created and founded this podcast network believe is a USC alum. Oh, he was a former he's a former pro surfer who decided to go. He's like the only pro surfer I know with a with a formal education. Uh, he actually went back and got his master's degree, uh, or maybe just a bachelor, but it was a business major at USC. And he said it was a time of his life. So wow. if you're ever contemplating where you want to go for your four-year school, he had nothing but amazing things to say about it. So um, it's expensive. <laughs> That's a downside, but it's costly. Uh, it's great to have you. We're going to be talking a lot of cars uh, with Nick. Jerry, you're from Slow. Are you familiar, by the way, with like the, the car meet scene in Slow? Like the, the drift cars and and uh, just, you know, all these weird little events. Weird is not the right word, but just these rather uh, eclectic, esoteric events where people bring unique cars and just socialize. No, I mean, I know I had a friend a couple of years ago that was trying to do car meetups, you know, um, like at the Best Buy parking lot. And then, you know, uh, when the pandemic started, they started doing cruise nights uh, yeah. on the nights that were normally farmer's market because farmer's market was canceled for what, like four or five months. So a guy that I know locally started doing the, the cruise nights again, and that took off for a couple months. And then once they announced that the farmer's market was coming back up, the cruise nights pretty much, I think they tried to move it to Friday nights and we're going to move it to Sunday, but I haven't heard of it in the last probably eight months, but I've heard of little car meetups here and there. Cool. All right. Great to have you, Nick. And the last but not least, the, the opinion editor for the Questonian, Jenica Ortiz, you've, you've written some great content. You've got some new stuff coming out. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Doing, doing excellent. Love it. And where are you at right now? We know Nick, I'm guessing is at home. He's bundled in his USC sweatshirt. Kenzie's at Mammoth Lakes waiting for uh, the snow drift pass so she can go hit that fresh snow that lay some amazing fresh tracks. That's a bet. To me, that's when snowboarding and surfing, I'm sorry, I keep going back to that, but to me, that's when snowboarding and, and surfing are equals is when you got fresh pal. Like the, the, the feeling is almost the same uh, when it's icy, forget about it, man. I'm taking surfing 10, 10 times out of 10, but with the fresh pal, my God, but Jenica, where are you at? Are you in slow? And, and uh, where are you from originally, by the way? I'm back home. I'm in, I'm from Fresno. So I'm back home visiting in oh. uh, in lieu of the holiday season <laughs> the no yeah the no <laughs> the, the, what many consider to Fresh, be like the hell no <laughs> yes uh -huh. that's the, the most that's a, the the number one tourist attraction in california you know our city actually has a campaign well the county has a campaign uh, it's called Fres yes and they've made all these commercials and they use it to like promote like the all the cool things about fresno and they're like it's Fres yes county 
Well, I always say the no just because it's the the word Fresno ends in no. I never really. Yeah, I, it ends really, in no I, for a reason. It ends in no I, for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> but I've never, I never, I never do that as an insult to like you know. The, I don't see the equivalency there between no. Oh and no, like, yeah, no, no, we, no, never. Fresnans make fun of Fresno just as much as everybody else. So in your marketing campaign, I really let's let Jenica, let's start with you if that's okay. We'll we'll, we'll go yeah. back in reverse order. Kenzie, I hope you don't mind waiting, but I figure since you're in a snowstorm, you you might have some time. Uh, so uh, are, is the marketing campaign in Fresno partly like, hey, we're close to uh, the Sierras, we're close to um, what's the national park near you? Kings Canyon, right? Is yes, that, we have uh, Kings Canyon National Park near us, and the Sequoia um, National Park too, right? Sequoia, yes. We have we are kind of. They do market it as like an in-between place, like, you know, two and a half hours um, to the beach, maybe like an hour and a half to like, like the snowy mountains. Like we have foothills. So pretty much anywhere in the Central Valley, you can look to the horizon and you'll see like a bunch of hills in the winter. Um, it's really nice because sometimes you can see snow depending on if we've had rain. So it's really cool to always be surrounded by mountains and areas like that. But um but yeah, it's kind of Fresno is the place that you you drive through. <laughs> Jerry, you know the running joke you and I have joked about. Maybe it's me doing most of the joking. Is slow would be a million times better if they shut down the the forty one and the forty six, uh, and the one sixty six too, which and is Bakersfield. <laughs> because that way, all the all the people from the valley just can't come to the beach, which is totally an elitist thing to say. I do apologize, right? Kind of. Um, but why why, in your opinion, Jenica, does Fresno have such a negative stereotype about it? I think it, it it can all be drawn back to, I think, negative stereotypes about class, I believe, because Fresno, we are a lower income area. So a lot of it could be attributed to that. Um, we are the meth capital of the world. Um, Ooh, I did crime not know that. is rampant, but Ugh. although Fresno gets a really bad rap living here, like my entire life um, and being a part of the community and uh, being here for so long, you, you do see a better side of Fresno. So called, from the outside Clovis. looking in, <laughs> I, I did go to Clovis schools. Yes. Clovis <laughs> is the uh, affluent um, neighborhood. <laughs> oh, so there's the a town that there you isn't send a, your kids there, to school. There is an affluent part of Fresno and that's Clovis. Yes, that is the city oh, of Clovis. Oh, so they're the ones that stick their noses up at everyone else. Clovis okay. is suburbia. Clovis is, yes. All right. <laughs> I refer to Clovis as the Bible Belt of Fresno because it's it's little cookie cutter houses, mega churches. Oh. Yeah, Ooh, stuff like that. Yeah, I hear, I hear <laughs> but I I love Fresno for the downtown area, Fulton, um, like the metro, the little metropolitan area we have in downtown Fresno. There's endless amounts of culture and and history behind every part of fresno and i think if you stick around long enough it's a love-hate relationship but no i i i love fresno at the end of the day i love fresno <laughs> jerry kenzie nick what are your thoughts on fresno I, here's a weird thing i've never been to the actual city i've driven through uh i've never actually just pulled off and checked out downtown have either of you three uh, been there and what are your thoughts on it jerry you go first go first um well, I have family that live on the outskirts of Fresno, like 45 minutes from the city called Mendota. And yeah, I think a lot of it is just snobbish attitude. You know, you know, it's a 180, you know, we got here, the beaches and it's sunny. So it's, it's a snobbish attitude. You know, it's like, oh, the out-of-towners. It, it really doesn't matter if you come from Fresno or not. You can come from anywhere outside of Slow, Slow County 
and yeah, we're we're just assholes about it, right? And yeah, Fresno, <laughs> Fresno and Bakersfield have always gotten like the bad rap, the stereotypes. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, you know, usually every holiday, the majority of tourism's coming from the valley, whether it be Fresno or Bakersfield, and they come to the dunes and they do their thing. And the funny thing, the running joke for me is like you can always tell who's from out of town by you know if they're wearing pants to the beach, you know. And, and the majority of them are wearing pants. And it's like, man, you're just going to get sand everywhere. Um, or, or they wear sandals with socks. Um, <laughs> but that's just, that's, like you said earlier, that's us being elitist. Um, and yeah, and, and being protective of our little cove here, you know, our little sunny area of California. Well, I mean, a huge appeal of the Central Coast is the low populace, right? So it's it's um, if you just let it developers run rampant, it would, the happiest place in the world won't be so happy. Nick, have you ever been to Fresno? Um, I think I've swung through a few times, like on the way to like grab a, a car, but I don't think I've actually been in for more than like a day. But um, the food there is good, so I'll say that it's a a cool city. I like it. Fresno's cool. Wow. Yes, Nick, if you do visit, the car scene here is absolutely insane. I feel like you would have a really good time around here. Oh, wow. I'll check it out. <laughs> Kenzie, you're from, um, oh my God, I always butcher where you're from. Is it Agora Hills? Did I, did I yes. get it right? Yeah. Yes. Uh, from Agora Hills. Yes. You. Um, I always guess Simi Valley or somewhere like that. So have you been to the Nose? Close by. I have <laughs> never. I've never <laughs> been. Um, I know a lot of people though who go to Cal Poly or even Cuesta from there. And I can say great things about them all, but they can never say a great thing about Fresno. Like every time <laughs> I ask. So that's the only thing I can really grab from it. All right. Well, Jenica, we're not here to talk about Fresno all day, but uh, no, let's do it. I got more <laughs> stuff. <laughs> I know they got some great minor league baseball teams, or at least one minor league baseball team. Uh, yes. No, but but Jenica, I guess you wrote a fantastic column because about two and a half months ago, and, and Jerry, you're from here, so I'm sure you as a local have your opinions on Cal Poly, given they're like the kings of San Luis Obispo in terms of just power influence um you know they 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 seem to skate by in terms of the rules and they make their own rules a lot of the times well we Um, talked about that on the last excuse me episode about how you know quest and cal poly the big dynamic of you know big brother little brother and whatever happens on cal poly campus or cal poly at all is 10 times 100 times bigger than what happens on the quest of college campus which is which is a shame because they should be working hand in hand yeah, and for people that don't know, um, Cal Poly refuses any form of matriculation uh, agreement with Cuesta because, like you said, speaking of elitism, if that, by the way, a lot of people look toward Fresno, that's how Cal Poly looks towards Cuesta, um, even though the same teachers teach both schools in a lot of cases. but Transfers. Um, and tra- exactly, and, and students transferring from one to the other. But And this is a trigger warning, folks. Um, so if, if this is a sensitive topic in your blog, especially applying to just, you know, your educated opinions on it and uh, your sensitivity toward this issue. But uh, at the beginning of the semester, we had two horrible incidents involving um, students being raped. Uh, And this happened, I think, twice in the span of like a week. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong in terms of the timetable. Um, Do you have any new updates on this? Because there's a lot of criticism toward the president of the college for the way he handled this. Um, There's criticism toward the college and and the university, I'm sorry, in general, just because of their lack of transparency, um, their their apparent lack of empathy toward the students and the victims. Um, I don't know if they've actually found the perpetrators. I don't know if there's any new updates. I don't know if students feel safe. You seem to be the expert on this based on your coverage. Uh, What's going on with that? And are there any updates now? 
There have been no further official updates from oh. Cal Poly, um, unfortunately. All of the acknowledgement past the original emails um, had to be by the student body. Um, I went to the, um, what was, it was like, a, I went, there was a candlelit vigil, um, like almost as like a solidarity act for the victims. There was a seminar and then there was a walk to the architecture graveyard to reclaim the space. Um, I attended the walk and um, I thought it, there was, um, it, it felt a little out of touch to me. I, I know that, you know, the intentions were there, but it was just a group of students just walking to the architecture graveyard. And then when we got there, the organizers handed us pieces of chalk and then encouraged us to write messages around the architecture graveyard in which people put like, you are loved and you are important. And then somebody wrote like, love is love. And I'm like, I don't know how this is doing anything to uh, find the perpetrators yeah how do these there connect? was a disconnect yeah. i there was a disconnect and then at the end they all took this group photo i decided not to be in the group photo uh they took a group photo but it, instead of like saying cheese they did this little thing where they all yelled we stand with survivors and then they all went woo at the end and i was just standing there like is this happening it, it felt a little off. I understand what they're trying to do, but I feel that the way that we can make change and the way to actually take things like this seriously is to, I would, I don't want to like say the word bounty, but there needs to be some type of incentive to find the perpetrators because Absolutely. clearly, clearly putting out the description is not enough. I don't feel like Cal Poly police is doing anything at all to find the perpetrators. Um, and I don't believe that uh, men especially will rat out their friends for behavior like this. I know a lot of men who have friends who do things like this and they will defend them to the death. And I feel that the only way for someone to speak up and say something is if there was some sort of financial benefit to them. How you have, for, wait, you, you're, you're telling me you have friends who have other friends that, that behave like this? I have... Uh, living throughout Fresno um, right now, there's like this almost like this uh, new wave of like activism in which so many people I'm particularly involved in the punk community in Fresno. And we have this almost revolution going on where people are exposing their abusers and sharing their stories and sharing their photos. There was so many people that I had spoken with in the past who I had, had nice conversations with, you know, at different shows and stuff. I had absolutely no idea about all of the terrible and vulgar things that they've done until women started coming out with their stories and other women were backing them up with similar experiences. But the, one of the most shocking things that I had witnessed was the friends of the men who were being called out going onto their Instagrams and their Twitters and accusing all of these women of over-exaggerating or lying flat out. So I know that with young guys especially there's this almost this culture of silence or yes. ignorance when it comes to certain behaviors that are totally unacceptable um and i don't think that there's any shortage of that at cal poly especially yeah and one of the big issues is and, and um i'm almost embarrassed to admit that back when jerry and i were going to questa uh together um hey I don't let me don't let me no, i'm not gonna lump you in don't, did, don't worry yeah. i'm not i'm not don't worry no. i promise you i only mentioned this because you and i went to school <laughs> the same time together there 
I'm not lumping you in. You didn't come to any of those parties. I remember vividly, but I transferred from Humboldt State University. And uh, I went back home for a little bit because all I did at Humble was party and go crazy. And I joined a fraternity when I was up there. Uh, it was not your stereotypical fraternity. Like, like they were all liberal, like they're all hippies. Like it was more just a, a group of men who were possibly socially awkward, who got together because we didn't know how to make friends. And, uh, and we, and we had this amazing house we threw parties in. Um, there was one brother in that fraternity who did, did commit sexual assault and I'm no longer friends with him. But uh, the sorority member who was the victim, like, forgave him. And, and this is a whole other environment. This was, like, in 1995, 96. It's a long time ago. Uh, so then when I went to I, – I moved home for a little bit. I got engaged to someone. We moved down to San Luis Obispo together. And the same fraternity was at Cal Poly, Delta Sigma Phi. So uh, a friend of mine who had also moved to Slow, and I went there one day to say hi. And they were like, you're in. They just welcomed us, like, red carpet almost. And we were, like, honorary brothers. And so we were included in all the meetings and – obviously invited to all the parties and um, look, it was fun, but uh, you know, I did never saw the type of behavior that um, would be in any way violate morals or ethics or laws. Uh, and again, Delta Sigma Phi had a, had a reputation for being the more diverse fraternity. So it was founded by a, a, a Jewish man and a Christian man. And that was considered at that time to be incredibly revolutionary um, so that ethos sort of carried over where we weren't like the jocks of the Greek system, right? Um, with that said, uh, I, a lot of the behavior they did could be considered misogynistic. Um, I, the group of friends I was in, and Jerry met a lot of those friends, we were considered ourselves to be like the anti-fraternity fraternity. Like we stopped going to the meetings. There's about 10 of us to kind of realize, wait a second, we're not like Republicans. Like this is not, we're not conservative. And, and again, there, it was just, you know, uh, but we never saw any assault or any behavior that cross boundaries, right? But we did hear stories from other fraternities. And I, I hate to throw them under the bus, but Sigma Chi, I think, was like a really big one um, in terms of that having that kind of reputation. And there was like one other. Um, and, 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 and nowadays, I, I'm kind of embarrassed to, to admit now that I was a, a member of a fraternity because a lot of these acts are conducted by this bro type culture that fraternities oftentimes embrace and they oftentimes perpetuate. And um, so what, like, I guess what I'm, what I'm leading to here is where do you think the Greeks fit in with all this? Like, do you think they're responsible? And, and Kenzie, Nick, you jump in as well, please. Like, like what is, what, what in your three's opinion, uh, what role do the Greeks, does the Greek system play in all this? Like, do they support it? Are they accentuating this behavior or, or do you think they're actually doing anything about it? Like, and should they? I feel that the Greek system's lack of action and their lack of acknowledgement towards behavior like this or acknowledging any of the rapes that happened prove very much uh, how they feel about things like this. I, I feel that none of the, nobody in Greek life uh, is willing to stand up and, and outwardly condone this type of behavior because um, I feel that, especially with fraternities, there's this strong bro code of almost mm -hmm. like we uh, there's such a strong uh like oath of silence almost that most fraternities have yes gang. it is a, a gang. gang they are organized they are secretive and very secretive i can't yes. tell you a lot of there's... things that still went down oh yeah, yeah. well if you, if you think about it if you look at the history of fraternities or sororities it's basically the beginning or the infancy of um what i was going to say uh the good old boy system yeah, which is net mm -hmm. networking, your brotherhood or sisterhood, 
Yeah. And a lot of it, a lot of it begins with politics. You know, where, where are you going to go after you graduate? You know, you're going to use your frat or sorority connections to hopefully move up to a certain extent. And a lot of it's bro code. Uh, like I said, the good old boy system. Uh, you know, there's the famous skull and bones, you know, yes, that, at Harvard, right? Yeah. Big power of, of America. And yeah, Cal Poly, I know they have had a couple incidences within the last 15 years. It was unfortunate uh, during Rush. Of, I forget, Cyrus, you probably know, where a kid um, drank himself to death. You know, he uh, that happens barely yeah. Cal Poly for a month, maybe. And he was during it was during Rush week. So I don't know exactly when that what the timeline of Rush is at the beginning of the school year. And I think they got banned for a couple of years or maybe they've been um, banned forever. I don't know. But there's been a couple of incidences of hazing and um, yeah, and, and unfortunately a death of an 18 year old. Oh. Yeah, Kenzie, Nick, have you gone to any fraternity parties? What are you, what are you, what are your thoughts on the Greek system at Cal Poly? You're um, muted, uh, Kenzie. In case you want to talk, Kenzie, you're muted. Yeah, go ahead, Nick. Yeah, sir. Um, I haven't been to any uh, frats or anything because I'm not necessarily like a party person, but I've heard from friends who have gone that they can get pretty wild. Um, and I mean, I do some street riding like on my scooter through Poly sometimes, and I know they can get crazy just passing by. Um, but I haven't gone to any myself, no. How about you, Kenzie? What are your, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, um, I've been to a couple. I know that there's like a lot of rumors of certain fraternities being a lot worse than others. Um, and when those like cases ended up coming about like a couple of months ago, um, I know of also a couple fraternities who posted on their Instagram, like basically we support you, we're with you. Um, and then nothing really much else other than that which a single like repost on your story isn't necessarily standing with victims or taking any action it's more just kind of supporting in a non-physical or even emotional way just kind of voicing it out there um but other than that I mean I have yet to be somewhere where I have seen something or heard of something like going on that night and I think that's just because I'm aware of who is kind of known for that and who's not known for that. Um, but there definitely are fraternities at Cal Poly that are very much publicly known for spiking girls' drinks or, oh. yeah, a lot of things like that. So. Yeah, I see. I look, I and I, I don't want to say in my in my three years participating with that fraternity, I never saw anything like that. Like our our excessive behavior was making jungle juice out of like using Everclear, which is the strongest booze possible. But I never knew anyone that like spiked drinks. I never if it, I I was very proud of my friends for actually stepping in if someone started acting in, in a very poor way, mostly because they were so inebriated. Um, and but I, I guess I bring them up because I feel like they're a source of a lot of the misbehavior and from my personal experience and from anecdotal experience, like they could do better in terms of raising awareness for how to properly treat other human beings. You know, like, I guess the, the, the word, and I, I'm sorry to be crass here is stop being such huge assholes. And, and that's how they behave a lot of the times. Uh, my, my fraternity, by the way, I just want to end, end this topic on this note, at least the fraternity side of it, Delta Sigma Phi, um, they were on California street. They still own the house that's there. Uh, about six, seven years ago, it's in that ballpark range. And Jerry, you might remember this story. They got kicked off campus uh, and they still don't exist. They have not been reinstated to this day, even though they still own that house. Uh, so they rented the house out. They got kicked off campus because their president was a drug, the president and, and, and Barry, when I was there, the president was also dealing drugs, but it was just, it was also weed. Cause back then weed was not, the stigma was still around then. And it was not easy to find like it is now. Uh, the president 
uh, in 2015, I think that was the year that this happened, was a drug dealer selling all kinds of drugs, though. And the members of the Cal Poly football team, yes. I think two of them decided they wanted to rob him. They right. showed up at seven in the morning. One of the football players decided to last minute go, I don't want to do this and backed out. The other one just went in there with a gun and a whole and the president refused to back down despite the gun. A huge scuffle broke out. And so they called the so the guy, the, the football player went to jail for like five years, I think. I mean, his whole life was ruined. I don't know if he's even out of jail. I don't know what I, I know he was he was a star running back for the Cal Poly football team, you know. Star. Oh dang. So using star yeah, using this word star kind of loosely, but he was one of the top guys on the football team. And yeah, I remember when that happened, and I don't know what the end result is. One of those things where everybody tells. I the looked story it up. Like, I looked it up a couple. Okay. Of, I looked it up a few years ago, and he went to jail. He did. I, and, and I don't. And when I read the story, he hadn't come out yet, and he was still in jail. I mean, you can't look. Look, uh, if you're trying to, uh, if you're armed and you're attempting burglary, like that's a very serious crime. Like you're, you're. Yeah. Going to, and the gun was not registered to him, which made it a million times worse. Oh yeah. Uh, but. But it also exposed the fraternity for being a house where they're selling drugs, and they got booted, and they never came back to this day. What, what happened to um, the president? Uh, I don't think he got arrested, but slap obviously, like, but uh, you slap on the wrist. But obviously, he was the leader of the chapter, and they're gone. So, I mean, you know, he's okay. still known for that, and that's not a, something to be proud of. Um, yeah, it, it was crazy, and and apparently, like times have changed in the fraternity from when I was there to when this happened. They they turned into like a bro scene. It wasn't like that when I was there. Uh, but I guess, uh, Jenica, just to wrap up this subject, it's very sensitive and thanks for talking about it. And, and uh, it's a really major props to you for doing so. What do you think can be done by Cal Poly to prevent these kinds of things from happening? Like, in your opinion, I guess, what should the president have done different and what can they do moving forward to make this an environment where women and men, certain men, feel safe? I feel that most importantly, Cal Poly needs to end their age of silence. Cal Poly needs to end the age of secrecy. They do have an advantage by being a UC that's kind of in a small little town and is a little bit hidden and doesn't get as much spotlight as the other colleges in California. Um, but they use that to their advantage and they only let people know what they'd like people to know. Um, so uh, it's clearly a problem with Cal Poly. Uh, this goes all the way back to the Kristen Smart case they haven't taken women seriously and they still don't take women seriously. They don't take the safety of their students as seriously as they should. And that is why things like this keep happening. If Cal Poly wants to show that their student body that they genuinely care about them, they would take affirmative action when it comes to situations like these. Sending out an email because you're legally supposed to is not enough. Right, I agree. You know, and and uh, and it's a Cal State, by the way. Just a, just a slight yeah, correction, but they, they do have the prestige of a UC. Um, and and you you bring up a great point, and and I've talked about this as a journalist, as as now a former journalist, mostly I just do podcasts nowadays. But um, when you're in small towns like Slow, and this is actually going on in, in neighboring Santa Barbara as well, with UC Santa Barbara, and and I don't know if you're aware of this, they're 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 actually thinking about building a massive housing a complex. The mega dorm. About this, the mega the mega dorm. So if you're not familiar with the mega dorm, it's it's aimed to house 4,500 students, right? In this one massive apartment complex. But here's where it's, there's, a, there's a massive issue and it's ethical. And everyone coming out is coming out saying, what are you doing? There are no windows. So the way they're proposing to fit all these students in there in these windowless dorms is by putting digital screens on the wall to make it look like there's a window. And 
every single expert you talk to psychologically, so from a sociological perspective, are, are just out of their minds going, this is batshit insane because it is unhealthy. Those students are not going to be living in a mentally healthy environment where you yeah, don't have a window. Even prisoners have windows, right? So Sounds like the iPhone factory in China. Yes. And, um, and, the, and the, the designer of this project, I believe, is like 97 years old. Yeah. And for some reason, UC Santa Barbara is pushing this thing forward because of the housing crisis in California. It's affecting college students so much more than other groups. Because when Jerry and I were college students, we could rent a room in a house for like three, four hundred bucks a month. You can't do that now, right? Like prices have gone insane because of the scarcity of, of inventory. Minimum a thousand, nine, nine hundred to a thousand bucks minimum now. Minimum minimum and that's 755 to share a bedroom in a house with three other people that's insane that is absolutely insane i mean gas prices in slow are the highest in the state uh now you you have uc santa barbara and a reason why schools like this get away with it is because there's no oversight let's say like the slow trip covers it let's say whatever the newspaper in santa barbara is covers it um yeah that little local community might read it but where the major population centers are, where the, 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 the people with real power in government are, they're not hearing about this most of the time because they're in Sacramento, San Francisco, LA, wherever. They don't see these kinds of news stories, right? So, so that is how Cal Poly and, and, and organizations like that get away with the lack of transparency, get away with the misconduct. You brought up Chris and Smart. I'm so glad you did because anyone who follows that story knows Cal Poly bungled that it looked corrupt the way they, they try to cover that story up just to protect their own image so they can keep having students coming there thinking oh we feel safe right you want the parents thinking oh my daughter is going to feel safe so let's just cover these stories up it's sad it is incredibly yeah, sad Jennifer, i feel like they avoid yeah. they try to avoid talking about her as much as possible yes <laughs> the only reason why it gets mentioned on the cal poly campus is because of students that find out about it and yeah, they royally messed up that whole investigation that weekend when it went down it's 25 years ago, and we're still talking about it. And uh, I feel like Cal Poly, and I don't want to bash Cal Poly because this I do. happens. I don't mind. This well, <laughs> well, the thing is, this happens on every college campus, right? Whether it's a USC or if it's a North Carolina or whatever, um, it's almost like they're like a sovereign state, right? Where they're just like they don't I have know. to. There's no transparency. Um, yeah, and, and I can see, you know, if you're biggest income is to promote uh, a beautiful area and a, and a beautiful education or whatnot. You don't want those little, you know, scars to, to show up when no. you're trying to show off, you know, your school. Correct. Exactly. So, um, and you can read Jenica's column and you have a few more, what, what was, so you have, a, I think two or three more columns coming out too. You could read all those at questonian.com. What, what are the other subjects you're writing about right now? Um, I've got student reactions to Questo's vaccine mandate. Um, I've got another story on why everybody should be listening to ASMR. Um, and then I've got another yes. story about whether or not we feel comfortable and safe going back to school in person. Mm. That's it. Totally I appreciated that little ASMR moment there. Sounds <laughs> that's, fantastic. That's a great subject. Can you, Jenica, can you enlighten me just because um, I, I don't know much about ASMR? How, where is this, how is it sexual? I, I don't get like how like okay how people, I yeah please I feel that this didn't start off with the intentions of being that ASMR for those who don't know stands for audio sensory meridian response it's the mm -hmm. scientific way of saying the tingles that you get in your brain that go down the rest of your body mm. it got this weird sexual connotation because a lot of the original ASMR videos published 
were women alone in a dark room whispering into a microphone. Um, and That's of it. course that set off people's brains in a way because it's ASMR, but then a certain demographic got a hold of it and then started requesting specific material and then it kind of went from there. But most ASMR is not inherently okay. sexual. And that's okay. just how it reacts Bummer. and clicks in some people's minds. But ASMR as a whole now has exploded into a million different genres and subgenres for every every taste and every age. That's crazy. So that explains it. Okay. So it's just, it's yeah. just if all it takes is one woman who's in a sultry <clears throat> voice and you just get a bunch of pervs going on. And a off. couple dudes commenting. And a yep. couple d- <laughs> <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> Um, and before I let you go, Jenica, uh, based on your column, you're writing about students and, and mag- vaccine mandates. Do you think the, va- the majority of students support it? Are they against it? What's your feedback from your research? Most of the students that I interviewed, they have no problem with it. A lot of the students don't feel like it's a big deal. A lot of them were already fully vaccinated. So um, the people that I found who have the biggest problem with it are older people or uh, parents yeah. that are typically conservative. Especially in Fresno, right? Like there's a lot Especially, of oh, there is weekly, they have walkouts. Um, currently in Clovis Unified, they have No Mask Monday where parents will send their children to school maskless and they will have their child refuse to put on a mask. Um, and I think one once a month, they, enti- they just keep their kids out of school entirely. So there will be like a mass walkout where they just keep their kids home. Dude, in protest the, of the vaccine mandates and the mask mandates shame on those parents for like the negatively affecting your kids that way that is insane oh it, it is insane is it insane. is it is a huge problem fresno county and the fresno unified schools do not have this big of a problem they're really great about masks they're really great about vaccine mandates they were really uh proactive in their response to COVID 19 clovis unified is different they also have this weird like silence type standard and they really really do try to appeal to the parents in the district because the parents have a lot of power because that's where the money is Mm -hmm. if you want to get a better understanding of what these parents are saying or what exactly the community is feeling um, i encourage you to go to the cusd uh, youtube channel in which they post all of the monthly board meetings these Uh board meetings include public comments um, yeah. since about August or September, these board meetings have been flooded with anti-mask, anti-vax parents who use all of their allotted two minutes to ramble about a variety of issues. Oh. Um, as concerning as it is, it is also very entertaining. You can make a anti-vax bingo board and every crazy conspiracy theory that you've heard, it will probably be uh. spoken about. This, this, is not, do, this is not surprising to me. And I'll tell you why. No, because, it's not. But it's, well, because I think everybody who, you know, outsiders think of California, that we're just one big beach. But what really separates California, if you really want to look at the political aspect of California, because everybody assumes that California is blue. But the five, the Highway 5 is really what splits up California. You know, West is going to be tend to be more liberal. Yep. So if you go west of the five, you're talking about L.A., San Diego, San Francisco, and all the major big cities, everything east of that is basically, you know, our valley, a lot of agriculture, and you get more, you know, ranchers involved, a lot of more conservative, and that tends to be more red. But because the population is bigger in the big cities, you know, it, it overtakes, you know, the state. But yeah, everything Goodness. pretty much east of the, of the five is basically red. 
Thank and you I'm not, and I'm so not surprised that, you know, people are not going to, you know, I hate to get to too much political, but Who yeah, cares? I mean, you know, well, no, I mean, it's just, it's just basically part, it's party lines, <laughs> basically, you know, your yeah, views yeah. on the vaccines party lines. No, and all I'm going to say is, is uh, I'm, I'm thankful for the same people of the Central Valley to have that protection from our, from our state government, from the psychopaths who would steer us towards like Texas type regulations it's ridiculous uh and again that's just my opinion but i i can if you ever want to have a debate about that i'll bring plenty of actual factual content to support my educated opinions unlike you uh jenica you rule thank you uh anything you want to promote like any social media platforms that you want people to follow you on or uh anything um yeah um you guys can feel free to follow my uh my journalism instagram account at questonian underscore jenica j-e-n-n-a-c-a my twitter is jenica underscore ortiz J-E-N-N-A-C-A-O-R-T-I-Z. Um, and if you'd like to, feel free to follow my personal Instagram account at mostly underscore Jenica. Uh, I do a lot of modeling <laughs> on the side and I like to post my pretty little pictures. <laughs> All right, there you go, folks. All right, thank you so much, Jenica. And I'm stoked you're coming back next semester so the Questonian readers can, can read more of your content. You've been doing an amazing job. Have a great rest of the day. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, guys. You're Have a good day. Yeah, you too. And uh, so we have Nick Stavros and Kenzie Johnson next. Who are we going with next, Jerry? I'll let you decide. Nick's oh, gonna be Kenzie. Kenzie, all right, you're up. Welcome. Kenzie Johnson Thank is you. a social is a social media editor <laughs> for the Questonian. You've been killing it with that position. Um, if you follow the Questonian on all social media platforms, Kenzie is the voice of the publication. Um, I guess first things first, tell us about what it takes to be um successful uh, managing a social media operation. Like, what does it take? Because you do weird little nuance you do weird little strategies that i've never <laughs> noticed but they're very effective and, and i respect it so yeah take it away um okay well i guess i use the questonian to promote a lot and i use also my film account to promote to promote a lot and i've realized the more um like the more often you're posting the more interactions you get um and so also a lot of hashtags too will kind of like promote your posts um and then repetitiveness is always a bad thing I've realized. So like one tactic I've used, one tactic I've used is like when we promoted um, one of our stories instead of like link or just like adding a hyperlink so people can click on it. I used a different tactic saying, hey, click the link in our bio to find our new story because if people just see a bunch of repetitive, thing, repetitive things. It kind of just looks like a robot posting on social media. Um, so I think that a lot of like, difference in posting kind of helps um so yeah that's kind of tactics i guess that i've used in the past nice and then when you first yeah. started the semester you had a different social media account uh or an, an instagram account eventually that i haven't heard you mention in a while i'm guessing that's your personal one but i, I yes. clicked on it once because it was on your profile page and you had a lot of followers like like what like you had thousands very impressive yeah. sometimes like, students <laughs> that just you. kill it like that uh, what's your secret to that like how did you develop such a strong following there I honestly have, I mean, I've probably, it's not that big, but I've grown over the years. Um, and I really, really do see like posting different content um, helps a lot. Like I see a lot of girls just posting uh, pictures of themselves or pictures with them, their friends. And I like to just post pictures of my photography or other things. And I also like will sometimes write um, little features and stuff to post with my photography. And that's also gotten me a lot of um, like, followers coming in um I did this one piece on like body positivity a while back and that got a lot of um interaction so just I think being a different kind of social media compared to what you normally see from girls in college has kind of gotten me a lot of followers just because it's kind of fresh to a lot of people I guess Mm -hmm. so yeah 
Nice. Uh, and then you and you you have a column that's about that's coming out today. We're recording this on uh, Tuesday, December seventh. Um, it's called "Getting Out of Bed Can Be Difficult, But and Slow County Can Help." And, and don't quote me verbatim on that. Um, but it, it's basically a column you wrote that highlights all the different ways. And and maybe I should have started with this, following the rather somber tone of Jenica's topic. And, and that's fine. But it wasn't you know that's not a happy topic. So look, did, look, since the pandemic started, and and we're going to be approaching the two year mark in a few months, which is really insane if you think about it. Um, and mental health has really been heightened in terms of awareness because of just yeah. how many people are struggling, myself included. Uh, you know, like this was a very hard time for a lot of people. Um, can you share some of the the highlights of your column? And again, if you go to questonian.com, you can read that uh, when you're listening. By the time you're listening to this, it'll be published. Um, what, what did you highlight in there? Can you share some tips and strategies people can follow just to be happier? Totally. Yeah. Um, so during the pandemic, I mean, most people were on lockdown and weren't really able to leave their house, leave their houses and social interaction kind of died down between a lot of, uh, between friendships, families, all of it. Um, and so people kind of just started becoming really lonely. I realized, and I spoke to a lot of individuals, um, friendships and just random strangers. Um, and everyone kind of was just struggling with depression and anxiety. And I realized that I wanted to like, kind of be a voice for that because it was something that I was struggling with too and I was doing research and just got really into mental health and realized that even personally realized that just getting out of your house is the best thing you can do for yourself um there's been days where it's just like the most difficult thing and then once you get out it's a game changer um so I kind of the article highlights on just a bunch of activities that if you're kind of feeling down one day and you have nothing to do it's just a couple things that 30 minutes away from Cuesta north south that you can do to kind of just improve your mental health get outside meet people um and everyone likes different things whether like you like to be to yourself and enjoy nature or be social so it kind of touches on everything for anyone um touches on Morro Bay and the surf out there it touches on the Pismo Dunes um touches on local hikes the Fremont Theater in downtown the farmer's market in downtown. So it kind of has activities for everyone to just get out and do something. So yeah, my one critique, Jerry, when she first uh, sent the first draft of her column is I was like, damn it, you're just gonna let a lot of people know how amazing this place is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we don't need more yeah. people. But no, I'm just all, all kidding aside. Yeah, Jerry, what are your thoughts? Like, uh, Jerry, as from someone who's from here, like, what are your favorite places in Slow County uh, to help you mentally? Well, I was going to say, I mean, as soon as they opened up a little bit, I want to say the border, but a certain, you know, like bringing farmer's market back was huge. I mean, everybody flocked. So the moment, mm-hmm. so you can tell that everybody was up against the wall, ready for this fence to come down. And sure enough, when the fence finally, you know, came down or opened up or whatever expression you want to use. Yeah. I mean, farmer's market got packed. You know, I, I, I love farmer's market, just, you know, whether it's walking through and, and, and getting out and walking out, out and about and, yeah, the, you know, I guess you could say you floodgates opened up. Um, yeah, and, and San Luis Obispo and the surrounding areas are great. I, I think, I mean, I don't you know, uh, are great for mental aspects because there's plenty of hikes around here that people can do or walking paths, go to the beach, obviously, like you like to surf. Um, mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's great. As far as my favorite stuff, I mean, my favorite stuff was actually getting on the road and like whether going to LA for the day or the weekend and stuff like that. And that, you know, was on pause for almost a year of, you know, not going to LA and 
whether it's going to games or going to comedy clubs or whatever, just, yeah, you know, not, you start to realize how imprisoned you are to a certain extent, you know, because of the pandemic and, and what you weren't able or allowed to do. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's also amazing to having like Ragged Point, which is just about an hour away from Cuesta, um, which is kind of the start to Big Sur and driving the famous one. Um, on days where I was just miserable and I needed to get out during COVID and couldn't really go anywhere, it was like the most therapeutic drive ever. And mm. people don't realize just like even getting in your car and going somewhere can just have such an impact on your day or all of it. So uh, that has been, that's honestly been one of the, one of the most therapeutic uh, things I've done in this. That's where we're going to transition to Nick here in a few moments is driving has become so therapeutic for me. Like when I go on long yeah. drives, I, I end those drives feeling so much better. I don't know. I don't know why, but um, and one of the huge perks of slow is that the highway one closes down a lot because of like uh, mudslides and um, but you're in slow, you can still get to it. Right. You exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, more, yeah. Once you get past, once you get past ragged point. Yeah. That's when it starts to get sketched, but at least the first hour of the one from here is still a beautiful, nice drive. Um, beautiful, it's not until yeah. you start to get to, uh, what is it? Um, what's the main part up there on the one that everybody likes? I'm trying to mean like the Bixby bridge or whatever. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Um, but, um, what's the, what's the big, uh, point of interest once you go up the one, what's the big sir? big sir. Right. Oh, so that's, that's, well, yeah, no, I, I don't know. I drew a that blank. was too obvious. I'm like, yeah. yeah. We all, we all went blank on that one. But once, but once you go up the first hour, 90 minutes, you know, it's, it's a great, beautiful drive. It's windy. It's tight. Um, yeah. It goes up and down. It's not like the, if you go south on the one, you know, by LA, it's completely different. Um, but northbound one is, I mean, you're going up a few thousand, not a few thousand, but a couple hundred feet up and then you can drop to sea level yep. go back up and then it's windy mm -hmm. it's a great yeah. drive you just got to be cautious and and the view obviously if it's sunny is the view is amazing yeah, the, li the listeners can't see this but the picture behind me is is highway one and in my opinion the most beautiful drive in the world i i, I really do believe ever. that ever like by by yeah. a mile that's why i, I don't Absolutely. recommend it. yeah i don't recommend in the summer just because the tourists are here in droves and it's there's like traffic sometimes and that kind of ruins it a little bit but in the, in the fall spring winter i mean it's it's breathtaking. It's, it's phenomenal. And then a close second to me is highway one in Mendocino. I don't know if you folks have ever done that. Um, that's an underrated little gem of a, of a, of a drive as well. Very similar cliff sides. And um, anyways, Kenzie, uh, give me your top three favorite places to escape in talking about just a place to get away and regroup and find yourself again. Like, like what are your top, what's your top three for where to go? Um, okay, so top one would probably have to be um, the San Simeon Point. There's like this hike that goes all the way to the end. And it's probably, I mean, it's like a 10 minute walk. I wouldn't even call it a hike. Um, most incredible thing I've ever been on. Ooh. It's, yeah, I highly recommend doing that. I didn't actually mention that in my article, but that is definitely Good. like a Good. little low key. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> low key spot. Yeah. Um, so that's and this one of is my near favorites. Like Her and this is like near Hearst Castle? Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. Um, and then there's also kind of near that point, there's a lighthouse that you can walk out to. I've been there. Um, yes, that's definitely one of my favorite little walks to get out. Um, and also Bishop's Peak. I mean, it's extremely popular, but I just, it's a good hike. You can't go wrong. Views of literally everywhere around you. Um, and it's not, I mean, I'm pretty active, but I wouldn't say it's too vigorous or anything. Like, may take you an hour, but it's a great hike. Um, really populated with people, dogs, all of it. So those are probably I've, my top three. 
I want to put like bishops to be like, you, like when I got to the top of bishops, though, I couldn't see the ocean. Like, am I thinking in the right place? Like, did you have to climb rocks to finish that part or like? Uh... Yeah, okay, there's gotcha, like okay. at the very end. Yeah, you can climb up these rocks. I mean, if I wasn't so tall, it'd be extremely difficult. My height definitely helps. Um, How tall are you? Yeah, I'm 5'10". <laughs> wow. So, oh, I didn't yes. know that. Okay, so wow, tall. Okay. <laughs> I was expecting like um, six four. I was like, oh, oh sorry, <laughs> sorry to let you down. <laughs> um, but yes, you hike up rocks, and then all if you look all the way right, you can see Morro Bay and Morro Rock, oh, um, like that okay. little yeah. So that's a great hike. Also, Profumo yeah. Canyon is a great little drive, and then at the bottom, um, when you're like approaching Avila, there's little apple farms you can go into and just buy local apples, honey, all of that. So. And Great the places. views up there are phenomenal. Like if people yeah. are aware of like, Profumo Canyon Drive, it's uh yeah, like I, I there's so much and there's so much wildlife in all those places you mentioned. When I was a yeah. uh, 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 when I was more into photography, I had this really high end uh, DSLR Canon, and I mean the, the wildlife I'd find everywhere. I mean the, the posts mm -hmm. I'd, I the, the the images I'd publish were just people were going looking at me going like, how are you finding this? Like and yeah. it's like just that's slow, you know. That's just it's yeah. less, that's what happens when you have less people. Animals are around and they're in abundance, so. That's awesome. Kenzie. There's a, a hike or a trail. I'm sorry to cut you off. There's a hike okay. uh, east of Cuesta. Cuesta Great. I, I, I don't know what it's called. Uh, Cuesta Ridge. Cuesta, Cuesta Ridge. Yeah. And yeah. if you go all the way out, you can see all the way from Oceano to Morro Bay. Wow. Yep. That, and it's, mm -hmm. yeah, it's crazy. I just I did a photography thing up there, like during the sunrise oh, nice. of the day. Yeah. You can see all the way Pismo, all the way to Morro. Incredible. Yeah amazing yeah i remember when i was a college student we go four-wheeling up there i don't know if, yep. uh, if they can still do that but um that was yeah. fun man spot. yeah that is uh, one, anyway, one quick question yeah uh, because you, you're into photography why 35 millimeter why film okay funny story so i was shooting digital for a while never had um a camera was just kind of borrowing family members and then um i guess you could say film photography became an aesthetic uh, a couple years back and so i started using a small little disposable camera just to like bring to hangouts with friends or parties and people started um like asking me to come to uh like shows for bands or parties and like photograph just because I would capture all these moments and then I got really into it and my dad had uh, a Pentax camera from his high school years and ended up giving it to me and I've been using it now for three years and it's just become my honestly my saving grace for my mental health like getting outside all of it like it's just been the best thing ever for me so how do you develop the film I was taking a uh, film developing class actually at Cuesta just to kind of learn but then it turns out wasn't really doing me great if I <laughs> wanted to transfer so I had to drop it um, but I've been using this small little company in Woodland Hills um, which is like near where I, my hometown is I've tried everywhere in slow and it just like the quality just can't beat this small little place oh. I found in Woodland Hills um but I also my neighbor back home has his own film developing set and so once I learned Equesta he gave it to me so I've actually been developing my own film it's not the best but it will get there so it's been okay. really cool and then how do you transfer that digitally to to share to an audience like what's your record like because I don't I wouldn't I don't think you can scan it can you for the well, yes what do you, you scan you it scan? yeah okay. mm -hmm. yeah crazy yeah. there you go Kenzie uh how anything you want to promote uh, uh website social media anything you um it. I, back to my film account I mean I post a lot on there it's all of my work um I kind of do freelance photography so if you wanted to follow it 
Uh, it's mjandand 35 mm on Instagram. Um, nothing huge or anything, but just some work of mine. But Love yeah, and, f- and follow all the this the Questonians uh, social media accounts at Questonian to um, uh, see to read Kenzie's work and see it. Uh, for the great, amazing work you're doing and your columns also on the front page of questonian.com if you want to check that out. Kenzie, thank you so much. Have fun in Mammoth. Uh, I can't wait to hear the stories of you just glowing <laughs> from the pal, man. That is, it's, it feels like surfing. It really does. And I'm yep. excited for you. Have fun. Absolutely. Thank you so awesome. much. Have thank a good you. one, guys. You too. Take care, Take Kenzie. Care. I'll Bye. see you soon. And then last but not least, Nick Stavros, you stuck around. Thank you, kid. Uh, are, are you at home? Is that your house? It looks beautiful. Yes. That's a beautiful, it's a lo- picture of a lion back there. You got those okay. high vaulted ceilings. You got the flat yeah. mounted on the wall. It's What's a dog, Cyrus. That's, that's a, a dog. Lion. It's a dog. Uh, yeah, my uh, my dog there in the painting oh. right there. <laughs> oh, I apologize. I thought that was a lion. And then what's hanging above your TV? Um, it is just it's like, deer, like it's antlers. Yes, yeah, deer. Oh, that yeah, it's some sort of like deer thing. <laughs> okay, that's for like your dad hung that up. It's like a like stuff. It's like a yarn deer if that makes sense no but it doesn't but i'm sure it does to you and and if i look just that's all that matters makes sense (laughs) (laughs) um so nick uh you when you joined the class uh for the questonian uh you you immediately expressed a strong interest in vehicles um and then and then you kind of caught my eye as well because at the beginning of the semester i always have every student take what's called the objectivity subjectivity quiz which is just a game we play where students read a sentence and they and they vote if it's objective or subjective, and you nailed it. You easily won this game. Uh, to me, objectivity is a is a concept that develops critical thinking skills in terms of understanding what is objective and what is subjective, what is biased and what is neutral. Um, you know that definitely caught my eye. I definitely took notice from that. Um, and, and next semester, I want I definitely want to uh, see some more interesting work from you for sure. Uh, so. I guess, how did you get into cars, first of all? I mean, I mean, like, how do you develop a passion for automotive vehicles? I, mean, I love cars myself, but how did you get as into it as you are? Honestly, I think I've always just been in a car since I was younger, but I've been into photography since I was like 12, 13. And I guess that's just kind of joined into my love with cars. And since I've started driving myself to, to my uh, local racetracks recently in the past two years it's really sparked on from there just because i've gotten that access to get onto the racetracks and then i can i mean there's also local car scenes around here and plus i have my uh mazda miata too and i'm trying to get that onto a racetrack so it's just i'm super involved with cars cars are everywhere for me mm. jerry jerry I, I, nick wrote about like this uh this these car events these car meets and, and you said you're familiar with them a little bit there's a, there's a couple. I don't think my friend does them anymore, but obviously the big one every uh, there's two big ones every year, obviously the old school cars, you know, the Morro Bay car show and then the Pismo car show where all these cars in mean, old school from classics, the 30s, the 40s, 50s, 60s and some 70s. And you can't help but like, wow, that's a beautiful car. They don't make them like they used to and stuff like that, but not. But I feel like your your meetups a little bit more. Uh, what do you call them? Kind of fast and furious style cars or what's, what's your deal? Yeah, they're kind of, um, they're more uh, into the Japanese tuner car scene. So it's like uh, Mazdas, Lexuses, Nissans, and they're more into like making the cars either super low or they try and make them into like uh, functional drift cars to like dr- drift on the streets or on tracks, obviously. You right. got to be careful about street drifting. But um, yeah, they do that. And then 
uh, for show cars too, you know, you slop some uh, um, air suspension on them and you can get them super low. And there's uh, there's trucks that join those too. I mean, it's all the car meets are pretty open. So there's a lot of different vehicles that you see, like those people that will show up in their trucks or like their uh, minivans that they'll slam to the ground. It's, it's pretty interesting how open it is. What's the appeal, if you don't mind me asking, like, like, like to you, like, why do you, why is that interesting to you? Um, in terms of like, uh, the car meet scene or, or just, uh, modifying a car? The, but, but, I mean, the car meet scene, I guess, I mean, I, I guess I could see the interest being like a social setting, but what, like, why is it, why the lowering the cars and why the Japanese, I guess that's Fast and Furious 2, right? Is that where they went to Japan or is that Fast three. and Furious 3? Three, three. Uh, Get them right, dude. It's three, Tokyo <laughs> uh, Drift. Yeah, Tokyo Drift. Yeah, like, little what's bow the appeal, wow. What's the appeal of Japanese vehicles lower to the ground? Like, why do that? What's the point? Um, well, I guess the the whole Japanese vehicles part is just because they're affordable. They're much more affordable than like uh, European uh, cars, and uh, and American cars are affordable, but Japanese cars are affordable because they're parts. So there's that. But I guess the lowering has just become popular. Um, it uh, ties into trying to uh, get your wheels flush with your fenders. It's called. Um, hella flush and you just try and get your tires as close to your fender as possible like with no gap if you can uh that's Why? a pr pretty popular style i don't i honestly yeah don't what does it do i don't understand it. it's more of just a style thing people just like okay. to get their cars as low as possible and like because it just, looks like it's hovering is that why because it looks like it's hovering kind, a little bit so in a way yeah you can get it like that i don't i don't understand it myself because i'm more of a, a functional like race car type of guy I'm, I'm trying to get my car race ready so that's my style but there's people that really like to lower their cars and like they're okay with their frames scraping on the ground it's like a fun thing i don't it's weird it's pretty funny though <laughs> Well, it's, you know, I, I get it. I get it now. It's just, you can't really explain why you're into a style. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like or why, yeah. why certain things aesthetically are just appealing to you. And, I, and that makes sense, but um, it is a little bizarre. So you, the story you're working on now is, is very relevant in terms of, I think a lot of people, Jerry, and Jerry, I don't know if you're aware of this dude, but it's like nearly impossible to find a new car at a decent price. Yes. In that, fact, it's, uh, it's, it's hard to find a car, a new car at all. That's here, why a lot yeah. of, the, a lot of dealerships are, we're offering good deals on your used car yes. because they needed cars on the lot. They, yes. uh, my sister two months ago bought a brand new Toyota RAV and she had to wait three weeks from the moment she purchased it. This is back in September to finally get it because it was coming from Canada. And every car manufacturer, I guess, is reliant on China for this computer chip that every car requires. And it's just backlogged. And so yeah, a lot of dealerships just to get inventory were like, I guess up, you know, if you had a used car that's in decent condition, that was your time to like get maybe an extra few hundred dollars on your trade-in or value of the car. And yeah, it was, it's, I, you know, I live, you know, less than a mile from the Honda, Honda and Toyota dealership and, and the Ford dealership too. Um, there's like a handful of cars on the lot and they're not, and there might be two new cars, Wow. And whatever cars are left are, are used cars. So you can you wow. can drive past Toyota right now and you'll see whatever cars that they kind of have on their lot that are used are definitely not Toyotas. They're just different cars. Nick, that's just... a visual, that's your visual for your story, by the way. If you if you have time, like just take pictures of those lots, you know, if, yeah. if that's what Jerry's saying is true. I you know, I, I have a 2019 Toyota Tacoma with about 35,000 miles on it. And I've been recruited to, to for dealerships to buy the car for me at over what I paid for it brand new. 
Yeah. Uh, and that's insane. And, but it's like, okay, on one hand, I'm like, wow, that's amazing. But then I'm like, wait, if I give it to you, what am I going to drive? Like, what, what do I, what, you know? So it's, it's just kind of like the housing market, right? Like if you own a house and in California and, and you sell it, yeah, you might make a lot of money, but where are you going to go? You can't buy another house in California. You got to go to like Arizona or Texas or something. Who wants to do that? So um, no offense if people live in there, but Hey, I mean, I lived in Texas for two years. I'm never going back. Uh, so going back to your, so, uh, yeah. So Dick, can you, can you kind of, uh, uh, expand on that? Like what's going on with the, the car situation? Is it as simple as just these chips in China? What's the, why, um, why the shortage? So, uh, the shortage really happened because of COVID and because there were, uh, at least companies haven't been locked down some quarantines and that really slowed everything down. And, uh, the chips are obviously extremely important. They're used for like uh, security systems and for all the new infotainment, like all the, all the things the cars have now. So it's super important. And so with COVID slowing that, um, the, car the car makers anticipated this when it happened in March, 2020. And so they actually um, reduced uh, sales and reduced uh, production. And that actually ended up hurting them in the long run. And so and obviously, like you guys were saying, if you've been trying to buy a new car, the MSRPs have been incorrect and they've been marked up like a, a, a bunch because they're, they're hard to find. And so they're, the new cars are super expensive and it leads into the used car market. Like the used cars are getting super expensive now and there's a used car shortage because everyone's buying the used cars. And yeah, it's just the chips are really affecting everything between new cars and used cars. It's pretty crazy. And uh, the, the uh, car makers are actually saying that um, they won't return to pre-pandemic levels by 2023. I was told, wow. told maybe you might want to look into this, and I don't know how true it is. It seems so extreme, but uh, I know a guy that's a dealer over here at the Ford, and I was asking him about the cars. He's all, Ford is not making cars anymore. They're sticking to trucks. Wow. So you might, yeah, I guess. No, I think they're making electric vehicles, though. I, I, I'm, I'm they might be making electric, but they're yeah, not gonna yeah, yeah. basically doing basic cars. They're leaving the cars to the to the Japanese, you know, the Hondas and the Toyotas and Ford. And Ford wow. is gonna stick to trucks. Maybe, or, maybe add that. Yeah, Nick, you got a story. You got a story brewing here. Uh, I can't wait to read it. Um, it's gonna be out on the Questonian. On, I'm sorry, Questonian.com. There's no doubt in front of it. Um, that's insane. I mean, like, I, I feel like the consumers right now in this country are just getting screwed left and right. You can't buy anything unless it's marked up. I mean, this is the first time in my life I'm really seeing inflation. Uh, Nick, I know gas is not necessarily, may or may not be in your wheelhouse, but gas prices are at levels I've never seen in my life. Jerry and I are kind of old farts, even though I think we're kind of holding it together a little bit looks-wise. Tom Brady, thank you for making us old, guys. Look <laughs> TB12. Good. He's, old. He's still older than us. Um, but uh, you're, 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 uh, what's going on there? Like, why are we paying so much for gas? Do you have any idea? Like, are we just getting ripped off because they can just do it? Is it that simple? Um, so I actually, I've been reading a little bit into the gas prices and it's actually, it's controlled by the, um, the oil companies and they're increasing their inflation prices. So that's why the oh. gas is going up. So there's been like, if you've heard, there's been a lot of blame to the president for the gas prices going up and I've been doing research into that. And it's not obviously like it, there's no way it would be the president's fault. And so obviously there's explanation to the get to the oil companies for that. And so the, yeah, the inflation is uh, inflation is increasing the gas prices um, in astronomically. So yeah, it's like the, I run 91 on my car and it was, I think five bucks 
for a gallon. So it's, I mean, 91. Baller. That times 13 is like, it's like 50 <laughs> bucks, which isn't a lot for a small, small fuel tank. But for the yeah. people that pay uh, diesel, like I know friends that who he's got a 30 gallon fuel tank and he has diesel and he had to pay 150 bucks for a full tank just for work. So it's like, it's, cra- it's crazy. It's crazy. Oh my God. I, I was in San Francisco. I went to my first Warriors game at Chase Center uh, last weekend and we, I was in shock. It's, I know granted San Francisco is like an anomaly. They, they always jack prices up, but it was on at the gas prices there. I saw gas stations where it was five ninety for 87 for the, 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 the cheapest stuff. Five ninety. I mean, that was yeah. almost six bucks a gallon. Yeah. Uh, my truck, I'm, I'm spending close to $100 for Phillips right now. It, it's, it is insane what's going on here. And then my, my fiance, she needs a new car. And so I'm going to have to tell her now, based on your information, Nick, that she should wait another year until 2023 before she starts car shopping. How, Jerry, yeah. how did your, your friend, I forgot who you said, got the car sister. Uh, how do they even get the sister for? Yeah, how did she even get that? Like, she, how did she, where did she find it and how did she buy it? Well, we did, a, you know, I helped her shop around. I mean, we looked obviously here in Slow, Santa yeah. Maria, Thousand Oaks, uh, all the way up to Salinas, maybe in Jesus. LA we looked. And everybody was low. Uh, um, it was, and so what makes it harder too is like, say, she, you know, she wanted a particular color. That made it more difficult. Um, so she had to compromise on certain specs of her car. You know, she wanted, a, you know, I think she originally wanted a blue color and that there was like one in the state and, so I like, I go, look, you're going to have to compromise in certain colors and yeah. get what you can get. And so, yeah. And so you can still, you know, even though the dealership doesn't have the car, you can still place the order, which is essentially what she did. Okay. But they told her, look, you know, like, look, it's going to take like three weeks. And, but this was back in September. So I don't know what it's like now in December. Um, yes. Yeah, she got it in mid September. It was during, what is it? Labor day. Yeah. It was around labor day weekend and she didn't get it until the very end of September. And jeez, yeah. and you can't and test drive it. You can't like it's it's like that's one of the fun experiences of. of she test drove a car, a car like a month before that when they had okay. a wrap. She, she was looking to see what car she wanted to get, and then by the time she made the decision, obviously there there were no cars. There were certain wraps, but they're like the premium level. But it's funny going oh. back to gas prices. Like you'll see people on Facebook, you know, that live on the other side of the country. Like I can't believe gas is two thirty five. Yeah, like, it's like Texas. I wish. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I like, wish, yeah, <laughs> you know, and, and then I go like, you know, Costco is like one of the cheaper ones here, yeah. Costco and conserve fuel and Costco at one point was like 440. I don't know what they're at right now. I go, well, I'm paying 440. And they're like, Oh, never mind. You know, it's like, yeah. you know, it's like, I'm paying twice of what you're paying. And I haven't yeah, paid 237 was- since what? 2003, 2004. Yeah. Um, I remember when I got my first car back in 98, I remember gas was still like 150, 160. And it's, wow. it's, it's funny to say stuff like that because that's like when your parents say like, oh, you know, milk, yeah, yeah. a gallon of milk was back a nickel. Back in my day. <laughs> back, back in my, in my day. day. But there was a period, <laughs> yeah, there was a period though where it did jump like a dollar within a year. And I, don't, I that was like in the mid 2000s. Wow. So it wasn't like a slow increment. I think. Yeah, 2012 yeah. had a huge, I, I saw a story that Mark 2012 had this unusual spike that I think that's what you're talking about. Uh, Nick, uh, we're joined by Nick uh, Stavros, the automotive trends editor for the Questonian. Um, you can read his content by going to questonian.com. Uh, as a car aficionado, uh, is there is there are there certain colors that you can get away with versus other colors in terms of speeding tickets? And do you have any recommendations for people <laughs> to avoid speeding tickets? Ask um, me for a friend. So I've actually heard that uh, Subaru Subaru WRXs are pretty common uh, in terms of getting tickets. Like they're easy to spot. 
Um, those as well as a uh, Dodge Challengers and like Hellcats. Of course. You see those guys getting pulled over a lot. Same with like Chevy Camaros. Those guys are always like calm ass ripping. Same with Mustangs, you know. They got, yeah, you, they got, like, you hear them before you see them. horsepower behind them. <laughs> but is there is there true is there truth to the myth that a uh, red is is a more likely color to get you pulled over or is that total bs um i will it's for sure more eye-catching so if you're trying to be discreet definitely get a color other than red but i wouldn't yes. say you get pulled over <laughs> i see a lot more white cars than anything white cars are getting pulled over a lot more common but yeah red and white i'd say definitely some eye-catching colors <laughs> oh i got white Jerry, I think the red, the, what I okay. drive, uh, a silver Toyota Camry. So I okay. kind of stealthily uh, drive like the freeway. Blend. But uh, I feel like that myth, and it, it's probably not a myth, it's probably actually true, but I feel like the whole red car thing was put out by the auto insurance companies, right? They would tell you like certain cars to buy and not to buy. I feel like that's Whoa. where the. Oh, I wonder if they Honestly, you it that. could be. I wouldn't be surprised. That's interesting, man. Oh, and. and, and Nick, I'll let you go on this because I, I feel like you've been you've stuck around this long. I feel awful, man. Thank you for thank you for staying no this worries. late. No worries. Uh, what are your favorite cars in the world? Like, if you were a billionaire and you could just have your own car collection, what would be in that collection? Um, pro, I know for one, it'd be a, a Porsche three five six. It's Why? I think, uh, uh really because the body style they're um they're very aerodynamic and they're they're super rare looking for. Their shape, they're almost like like a half bean, and it's weird. They're cool. I'm Googling it right now. I want to see what it looks like. Oh, those are old school. Yeah. Oh, I see. Okay. Like the what else? No. No, Jerry, Google it real quick. They're, they're badass cars. It's like something you see James Bond driving. Like, it's uh, it's slick. It no, it's very Porsche. slick. I get, I get the Porsche 356. Um, And these are like cars that were built in like the fifth. They don't make new ones, oh, yeah. do they? No, yeah, these are all super old. What what else? That's a that's a great car. Respect for that. What any others? Um honestly, probably a Mazda RX7 just because of the uh rotary engine. Those are uh they don't produce them anymore, but the rotaries are like uh they're pretty much spinning Doritos, I'd call them. They're like uh they're tri they're triangles, the blocks in a way. Oh, interesting. Okay. And those that's are it, it, pretty legendary and they're considered a they're actually considered a luxury vehicle it's a uh yeah rotary engine powered sports car made from 78 to 2002 i wonder why they stopped making them uh just you ever watch uh the rotary was it, it burned a lot of oil ah uh, so it wasn't healthy it was a... uh, earth friendly <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, jay leno has a Jerry, show the well i was yeah. gonna say jay leno has a, a car show on msnbc and and he's, I, I don't know where he stands in the level, like the biggest car collection, but he has some cars that are just like, what is that? There was a car that he was driving with Bill Burr that looked like a train because the motor was exposed. It was, it was crazy, but it's amazing how, you know, people who get into cars, like what they, what they look for just to, just to play with, you know, and he's got like one of the biggest collections of these yeah, seriously. unconventional <laughs> and, and, cars. And Jerry Seinfeld had that show for years. The comedians in Cars Getting Coffee, where each episode they, they were driving. Seinfeld really came here. He came here like in 2002, 2003, because there was a, a Porsche meetup at Laguna Lake here. Oh, and somebody wow. spotted him. And this is, I mean, this is this is after the show had already ended. 
Yeah. So this is like 2000, 2001, maybe even 2002. And somebody spotted him and we got video of him uh, coming out and checking out the cars. Like if you didn't know who he was, he just looked like a regular guy looking at Porsches, you know, from all exactly. different ages and models. Yeah. And his, his show, I mean, like, again, the whole premise was just each episode. It was, a, it was someone really famous. He was interviewing, but they'd roll around in a really unique car. Like just some of them, there's only three or four or five in the world. And then they go get coffee and just chat and BS. But the, but the, the car they were in was part of the, the, the story, part of the premise. Sure. They were just really unique. Um, if you're ever interested in seeing those kind of cars, yeah, I recommend it. So Nick, man, uh, anything you want to promote before you go? Any like social media websites, you name it. Um, yeah. So I, I'd like to first promote my um, Instagram, uh, Nick Stavros visuals. Uh, it's just my, my main that I use. I also post a lot of like photos and stuff. Uh, my Twitter, Nick Stavros three, uh, which is the main one I post through Questonian and then my YouTube channel. If anyone wants to, it's a uh, Nick Stavros visuals as well. I just post some more like car scooter edits types. It's a little old. So, but yeah, my Twitter, my Instagram are the main ones. Awesome, man. Nick, thank you. That was fun. Hope you had fun hey, too. Thank you and, so much. And I'm really excited that you're coming back next semester, man. You're, you're a bright kid. Uh, I can't wait to see the more the stories you produce. And um, yeah, have a great day, brother. Thank you. Hey, good boy, guys. Hey, uh, good seeing you guys. Have a good you one, too. y'all. You too, Nick. Take care. Um, Sorry, I have a question for you. What's yeah, what's your up, car? Brother? What's your dream car? Oh, my dream car? Uh, I, dude, I'm not, I've, I'm not a materialistic guy. So like for me, a dream car would be just, uh, I guess, you know, as weird as it sounds, like those new Hummers that are electric. Those look pretty cool. Sounds like an oxymoron. Um, why? Why do you say that? A Hummer that's electric. <laughs> I mean, they're they well because because the whole reason why I look down on Hummers is because they were just gas guzzlers. They like go like right. eight nine miles per gallon, and but now they're electric, so they have the power that they used to. But you can go wherever you want with them. I love vehicles that give you freedom. So if 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 so, you know, like whether it's like the highest end trucks, um, in terms of like a race car, obviously a Lamborghini. I think a Lamborghini would be like the Lambo. Lambo, bro. Right on. Give me the Lambo. What about you? Yeah. Well, as a kid, it's just like every kid that grows up, you know, you want the Lambo or the Ferrari or the Porsche. Yeah. But I think my dream, I, I guess dream car, I'd always, I've always loved the 64, 65 Mustangs. And I just oh, saw one the other yeah, day. I've, yeah. I've always, I've always loved, we had one in, in uh, my family in Mexico. One of my uncles had one for many years and and he drove that thing into the ground for for many years. It's beautiful. <laughs> I mean, he I mean he he used it. So I mean, it literally just eventually fell off the wheels, you know, and all that stuff. And and I've always loved the '64, '65 Mustangs. And uh, well, what's the one? Be my the, old school, old school what's the, the one that's really rare that was in that Nick Cage movie, the '67 Shelby? <clears throat> like that looks pretty badass. Like the, the the GT Shelby. I think Shelby GT was made by Mustang. It was a limited series. Um, they were supposedly like the most badass cars ever. Right. They're super uh, and then, dumb, right? And then, yeah. Yeah, they're stupid. Yeah, and, and yeah, they're very unique. They're per, each one is is personally designed. And then the uh, the old school Dodge Challengers to me are like yeah. muscle cars. I mean, yeah, I'll happily take one of those too. But um, yeah, I've never just been a big car guy. Some people are so into it. For me, it's just, dude, if you got four wheel drive and, and take me where I need to go, I'm happy. You know, like that's you would want what, what's uh, what's those cars with the wood panels on the outside and a lot of surfers. <clears throat> oh, wow. those cars suck, dude. I don't even know what you, yeah, like they're Oldsmobile wagons or something like that. I, no, I, they're definitely wagons, but they have the side, but a lot of surfers love which because they, they the beach cruisers. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. No, I, old school no, beach I cruisers. Want, yeah, old school. Beach I don't cruisers. want that. Yeah, I don't know why surfers <laughs> like those so much. It's weird, but <laughs> it's for the surfboards. It gives them room. They, they can throw their boards back there. I guess. Um, what are you up to, man? What's what's new in your world besides uh trying to keep your sanity about the Lakers? I mean, 
You want to quickly talk about them before we wrap it up? My Warriors, I, I'm fairly happy. Did you uh, this? The Pacers have came out today, announced that uh, Sabonis, Miles Turner, and uh, who's the other guy they have? Karis LeBert. I guess they're all available for trade. And I'm a huge proponent in the Warriors going after either Turner or Sab- especially Sabonis, depending on what the price is. But um, I don't know. Wait, wait. What do you think about your team, dude? Like, do you, is I like? Are, is there hope? Are you hopeful? What are your thoughts? Sorry for the long pause. No, your silence um, speaks volumes. I mean, it's yeah. if listeners, if you can't, you can't see this. Jerry right now is looking to the sky like he's looking for God's help. Yes, like um, now his hands are in prayer. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> like should Anthony Davis slim down? Like should like because a lot of people are criticizing the fact that he's bulked up to be you know, but it's affecting his shot and. So this is our, what, this is our third podcast in the last month and a half, I believe. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to do this more. We're going to do this more regularly. Yeah. But I feel like on the first time we we reconnected, I, um, I had said that I think Vogel, Frank Vogel is on the hot seat and it sounds like sure enough, he is on the hot seat. Uh, Um, So LeBron, so that means LeBron's not happy with him because LeBron is the GM of that team. So that's usually what that means. You're probably right. You're probably wrong. Either way. Uh, far off. You know, when I watch the games, and it's easy to sit on the couch and watch a game and be like, oh, they need to do this. Why did he shoot that? And obviously, I find myself doing that a lot. But a lot of it, I don't understand. Um, I don't understand. Everybody's out of position. And I think we've talked about this. You know, you ask about Anthony Davis. I think he's unstoppable when he's in the post. He's one of the is best it nice the that game. he has the? Is it nice that he has a three pointer in his back pocket? Yeah, but why should I rely on his three pointer to be the the savior? We got Carmelo. We got a couple other players that can that are better than him on that. Correct. Um, Russell Westbrook frustrates the living shit out of me. Of course, um, dude. How why is it that a point that guard? Trade, man? How does a point guard not know how to run a fast break? How did that like, boggles they, my mind? I, I think you're in agreement, right? Like, why did you make that? trade you get you gave up depth for a guy that can't shoot he was supposed to be the guy that gives lebron breathers and but he's he's just so inconsistent i've always thought he's one of the most overrated players in the game i i, I mean those triple doubles were such a farce to me uh i know it's like here but um your internet is, is it your internet or my internet like, you're, i think it might have been out my, a, lot here. Out? a little bit yeah internet Okay, so uh, let me ask you. Let me ask. Let me ask you this: While your internet hopefully rebounds, and if you can still hear me, um, I can hear you. It seems to me. Okay, it seems to me the Lakers' ideal starting five, the the one you want out there in the closing minutes, which is the most important lineup, is LeBron, Anthony Davis, Westbrook, sadly, uh, Carmelo, and then Taylor Horton Tucker. Um, but do you think they should trade Taylor Horton Tucker while he still has some value? Uh, because if that's your starting five, you're, I don't think you're winning a championship. I can't think of any other players you'd bring out besides those five. Uh, what are your thoughts? I don't know. That's just what, that's just based on my analysis. It's it's weird because um, my lineup is completely different, and that could just what would it be? be my, that could just me being dumb. Uh, well, no, not, no, maybe not, not, not knowledgeable you, enough. No, well, you, I mean, watch this team more than I do. Part of me, and I want to be the get off my lawn. <laughs> it's be it back part, my day like I, I, this might sound stupid like i said it might be extreme i would start rajon rondo as a point over westbrook yes i i'm with you right. on that i think westbrook 
I think Westbrook, you play most of the game, but don't finish the game with him. I'm with you on that. No, actually, that's and a good call. This is why I say Rajon is because he's more of a, a point guard, right? But when you got Russell and next to each other, you got two guys in position. Three, one, two, three, and four. Um, and that's what clogs it. And that's what run, ruins the flow is that you got to have, and we talked about this a couple episodes ago, like, th- there has to be something for traditional roles, you know, on, on the court. Agreed. And like I said, I'll see like that's headed by Westbrook, basically him one on four because his team hasn't caught up yet. And, and I see a lot of plays too where they'll get the ball and, you know, you got the 24 second shot clock and they'll fire it off within yeah. the four or five seconds. I'm like, you got plenty of time to set up a play and get adjusted, let your players come back, come back up at the court. And I just see these guys flying down the court, going one on four, you know, one on three. It's like the odds are not in your favor. Mm-mm. And I don't know. I, I Once again, going back to get off my lawn, it's like Magic Johnson will never would have no, but no, no, so it's not to get off my lawn. Magic's still to me the greatest point guard in the history of the game, one of the top, possibly one or, of the top you know, five ever. So, no, that's not yeah. to get off my lawn. That's a, and that's I think a guy that's who my, did it right. Emulate that. Right. And I, I don't think it's wrong to have a team that's a, that has at least a one and a five. And then everybody else can be a hybrid of something. But if you yeah. can have a point guard and Oh, your internet is really cutting out on me. I don't know what's going on. It could be on my end. I have no idea. My sister who's home is... Oh, you're cutting out, Jerry. I don't know if you can still hear me. Your screen is I can hear you. Oh, you should can. just wrap okay, it up. Yeah, let's just wrap it up. Yeah, we've been doing yeah. this for a while. We'll do my Lakers suck soon. basically. My Lakers suck right now. Well, they don't suck. They're still in the playoffs, but they're not. I, I don't see them as being championship contenders at the moment. They're, they're going to have to do something. Uh, Your guys are good. Your guys are looking thanks, really man. good. Thank you. Thank and you guys are only yeah. at like 75 percent, which is scary. I know. I know. I feel at this point it's it's so it's I I, I actually for the first time in a long time I feel bad bragging, so I'm not going to, um, because <laughs> I because I, I don't want to kick you when you're down, dude. But your Lakers are in trouble right now. But yeah, my Warriors, man. I'm I'm. I feel like they could even be better with not including clay and, and possibly Wiseman. I want to trade Wiseman. That's my, the only thing I'll say I, I I'm losing, I'm losing a lot of faith in that guy. The fact that it's taken him a year to come back from a basic meniscus injury, given he has no track record. You have no idea what you're really going to get with him long-term. That's your, that um, was your number one tra- uh, draft pick, right? Yeah. He was picked second overall. He's yeah. It's last year. And so I, if you can trade him for a miles Turner or especially Sabonis, pull that trigger yesterday, provided your research shows it's not going to affect the chemistry of the team because that's really what the Warriors have going for them more than anything else. They have chemistry. They have a, a group of 15 guys who all seem to work together tremendously well right now. Um, and I don't want to ruin that, but uh, I mean, they need a center, dude. I don't know if you saw the Suns games. I mean, Aiden was just eating them alive. So um, I don't want to Aiden's see that a beast, though, too. Aiden's, Aiden's He's a beast. beast, dude. I was telling my, uh, I, I started a new podcast called Locked on Warriors and I was telling my co-host, uh, Dieter Kurdenbach, um, like we both agreed, like if, if, if you had to pick up any center in the game right now, I think he'd be number one. Like I would, I might take him over and beat even just, uh, just because he's durable and you can count on him. And he's got that post game kind of dialed. Like he, he has his little hooks that he just drops in the basket all day. Whereas in bead, like, you know, he still misses 20, 30 games a year. Like, yeah, I know he's a better player overall, but, but he's injury prone. Yeah. And Aiden just is and he's younger and he's just, 
Yeah, I like that guy, man. The Suns are stoked with him. Anyways, Jerry, love you, man. Um, next time we do this show, I'm going to have a Twitter handle for you. And then I'm going to bring you on my podcast when the Warriors and Lakers play, okay? So you'll you'll be the Lakers representative for at least one of those shows. And, <laughs> and uh, sure. we'll, yeah, we'll talk sports. All right, what brother, do you do? Uh, a pleasure. I know, real quick, I don't know if we're going to do one next week, but uh, happy holidays. You got any plans? Yeah, man. Yeah, I, I know nothing big. How about you? Chilling. Yeah, chilling. chilling exactly yeah but yeah. uh no i and and let's definitely meet up soon and grab a beer or something i'm ready to, i'm getting out on the world now man i went to a warriors game i went to vegas a month ago it's still uh-huh. like anxi- i'm so anxiety ridden from it i mean there's, there isn't a lot of more comfort, reason to drink more reason to drink takes the edge off my man you're right you're absolutely right about that dude all right man we'll talk soon jerry peace well let me get to the point let's roll another joint turn the radio loud i'm too long to be proud and you don't know how it feels you don't know how it feels to be me thank you for listening to believe You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.